For a long time, my life and faith have much appreciated the writings and the wit of Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard was a 19th century Danish theologian and social commentator. He was very much taken with the Christian faith, with the person of Jesus. Yet Kierkegaard spoke harshly about what he saw in life, especially the life of Christians. Lots of people, he noted, seemed to like Jesus. Not that many people seemed to be really following Jesus. Here's one of Kierkegaard's stinging parables. It's a parable of ducks. Kierkegaard describes a town where only ducks live. So every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their houses and waddle down the street and waddle into their duck church. They squat into their proper pews. The duck choir then waddles in and takes its place. The duck minister comes in with the duck Bible and opens it. And the minister says, ducks, ducks, God has given you wings, With wings you can fly, with wings you can soar and mount up like the eagles. No walls to confine you, no fences to limit you. You have wings, you can fly. And all the ducks shouted, Amen, Amen, preacher. And then they all waddled back home. No flying, no use of wings, just waddling. See, this is Kierkegaard's way. He tells a story as a challenge to all of us. We keep hearing the good news. We keep being reminded of of the fact that we belong to God. We keep being told as God's people we're to love God and serve God in the world. And we all say, amen. But then what? Then what? Do we just keep waddling along or are we are we always seeking to be changed to be made new to become more and more God's people we have a really great passage today from the letter to the Colossians and Kate has already alluded to it I want to read it in full beginning in chapter 3 with verse 12 listen as God's chosen ones holy and beloved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
This is certainly one of the most succinct and helpful descriptions of what it might look like if we lived as God's faithful people. Theologian and writer Jonathan Sachs, whom I appreciate so much, says something that makes a lot of sense to me about the Bible. He reminds us that the Bible starts with acts done by God, like creating. God creates, and then God calls and claims a people, and God keeps walking with them and nurturing them, shaping them in how to live. God acts for the world and for human beings. And then the Bible story moves chapter after chapter, page after page, through a long journey to acts that are mostly done by human beings for the sake of God, for the glory of God. This Colossians passage is really part of that second part, obviously, acts expected, acts called forth from God's people for the betterment of the world and for God's glory. Clothe yourselves, it says, with compassion and kindness and humility. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it giving thanks to God. What we are is God's gift to us. What we become, how we live, well, that's our gift to God and to the world, and for God's glory. At the heart, and in the middle of this particular passage from Colossians, is something that is, I think, so much needed, especially in these days. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other has always been central to the Christian life. Jesus teaches about this over and over in various stories. We intend to practice it every Sunday as Ginger reminded us at the baptismal font. We seek God's forgiveness so that we can forgive others. But we live in a culture And especially in these times when we may just be waddling along, perhaps barely nodding at this call to bear with one another and forgive each other. How do we actually bear with one another and forgive each other? How can we do it better? How do we actually make progress in this area? I've been asked this so many times, and we all, myself included, have to keep working at this. It's a journey. How do we forgive ourselves that moment, some moment that happened maybe even all those years ago, but haunts us like it was yesterday? How do I forgive my loved one for the mess that's being created right now? Maybe it's like this. How do I forgive the doctor or someone else whose mistake has so changed a life, a circumstance, a family, or this? How do I forgive my partner, my spouse, my friend for the painful betrayal? Forgiveness is so hard. 
And it's not just the personal stuff. It can be communal. It can be national. For example, how do we find forgiveness beyond the years of racial injustice? Or who is going to forgive us for destroying the planet? Here's the real challenge. How do we get forgiveness off the page as such a wonderful idea and aspiration? And how do we make it real in our hearts, in our lives, in our community, in our nation? That's the challenge. The Colossians passage is speaking to me in an interesting way today, a helpful way today, and especially as we try to do better and be better at bearing with one another and forgiving each other. The call to bear with one another and forgive each other in this passage seems to be right in the middle of this little section about what it means to live as faithful people. But what's on each side of this call to bear with and forgive can be especially helpful in making progress in bearing with and forgiving. The passage starts with that important exhortation about clothes. Clothe yourself. Actually, put it on. Put on, like clothes, certain traits as God's chosen ones. We're reminded of our identity, God's chosen ones, and then we're urged to clothe ourselves in a certain way. First, clothe yourself with compassion. Compassion is an ancient word related to womb. Womb as in how a mother feels for the child in her womb. Think about that. Compassion and clothing yourself with compassion, with love, and with sentiments so deep like a mother's love for one in her womb. Compassion in both Latin and Greek has to do with suffering with, having deep empathy for the other. It's the ability to feel the feelings of another. So compassion is feel, feel another person's pain. You have to act on it. That's compassion. Then kindness. Kindness is tuning your heart to the heart of another. To be kind is to care with generosity, to offer support with generosity, to connect your life to another with generosity, kindness. Then humility. Humility is realizing that it's really not about you, not about us. It's putting yourself second. And meekness Meekness only takes it further. It's not mildness, really. It's quiet strength. Quiet strength, you don't have to have it all your way. So here's the point. When we strive sincerely to grow in this important Christian trait of bearing with and forgiving, it is compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, that's the avenue. It gets us toward bearing with and forgiving each other. How do we actually bear with and forgive? Well, we take a step back and we focus on compassion. 
that womb-like love and empathy. We seek to extend kindness, that generous care and support and goodness toward others. And we remember humility. Our needs, our wants come second or fourth or ninth. And we seek patience. Then, in all of these, I think we find ourselves able to bear with one another and that opens the door for indeed forgiving each other. We cannot forgive just quickly or automatically. Forgiveness is way too hard, but rooted in compassion and kindness and humility and more, we can find our way toward forgiveness, redeemed relationships, and wholesome life. And then, the words that follow in this passage also help to frame our lives in the way of bearing with and forgiving. The message translation puts it like this. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. We cannot bear with one another very well. We cannot forgive each other very well unless our lives remain centered on God, on God's peace, on God's presence, not on specific political or personal perspectives. Our lives are to be rooted on God's Word and letting Scripture shape us. Imagine that. Our lives are to be about encouraging one another in God's ways, not just pushing through our own positions. Our lives are to be about worshiping God, you know, singing and singing your hearts out, doing everything, thanking God all along the way, every step. Bear with one another and forgive each other. This is the holy shape of faithful life. We can be so far away from it in our daily living. And yet, when we seek to be clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and patience, and also as we align our lives with the peace of Christ and the Word of God and the worship of God, singing, giving thanks, serving, we can bear with one another. And we can forgive each other and we can inch our lives closer and closer to what our awesome God intends for us. Some of you recall the name Gregory Boyle. Gregory Boyle is the Jesuit priest who has dedicated his whole life to helping the poor and living amongst the projects in Los Angeles, the drug-infested, gang-dominated projects with his homeboy industries. Boyle has written two great books about his life and about his ministry, and I've mentioned these books on several occasions. Boyle says that in his work with gangs, he has often been criticized for coddling 
gang members. You know, coddling as opposed to rigorous rehabilitation. But in his lifetime of work with these troubled youth, seeking to save their lives and bring them into the light, he says that he merely tries to foster an irresistible culture of tenderness. What a fantastic phrase. An irresistible culture of tenderness. He strives for a steady, harmonizing love that will infiltrate the whole place at Homeboy Industries. Not everything happens because of tenderness. Justice doesn't often happen because of tenderness, perhaps. Systemic improvements toward racial reckoning probably don't get solved, mostly through tenderness, but a whole lot of life, my friends, a whole lot of life, and especially with bearing with one another and forgiving each other is going to be rooted in a culture of tenderness. In so much of life, we're so far from tenderness. As we bear with one another and forgive each other, we get closer to what God has in mind for us as God's people in the full light and reign of God. Tenderness may not come quickly in some broken parts of life that need forgiveness. I know that. But the more we can nurture tenderness, the quicker we can find our way to wholeness and forgiveness. Tenderness is what we see on the cross when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Tenderness is certainly something that will change us in all of our relationships. More tenderness in our connections, more tenderness in our interpersonal encounters, more tenderness in our own hearts. All of this will guide us toward bearing with and forgiving one another. An irresistible culture of tenderness. Imagine that. Think how that would change you. An irresistible culture of tenderness. Think how that would change our world toward wholeness, toward faithfulness, toward life with God and life as God's people. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, pour out your Spirit upon us, especially upon the hard parts of our hearts and the hard parts of our lives and soften us, shape us, so that we can bear with one another and forgive each other and create, indeed, an irresistible culture of tenderness like the ways of Jesus. We seek that way, O Lord, today, tomorrow, forever. Amen. We have an affirmation of faith today, and it comes from the wonderful Belhar Confession that was written in the deep struggles out of apartheid for justice and equality in South Africa. Join with me now as we read these words. They'll appear on your screen. We believe that God has entrusted the church with the message of reconciliation in and through 
Jesus Christ. We believe that the church is called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That the church is called blessed because it is a peacemaker. That the church is witnessed both by word and by deed to the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. We believe that God's life-giving word and spirit will enable the church to live in a new obedience which can open up new possibilities of life for society and the world. Jesus is Lord. To the one and only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be the honor and the glory forever and ever. Amen.